Thank you for listening to this artist talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. In this live recording, Elvis Richardson explains her work on display in Versus Redan, Bodies Across Space and Time. This exhibition is showing until the 2nd of July, 2017. I'm really delighted to introduce Elvis Richardson and we're so pleased that she could join us from Melbourne. And um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's interesting how things begin and where you start um, relationships with artists and where you come across their works. And it um, is a great segue from Bridget and Alison uh, Curry's work and ideas of spooky action at a distance and things which happen um, at, um, uh, as, as sort of, uh, you know, sort of wonderful chance encounters. And I'd known Elvis um, through her work as the editor and founder of Countess, which is, you know, one, an extraordinary and very, very important initiative and website which um, uh, it sort of is a, is a great form of institutional critique. It checks up on all the institutions around the country, um, how many female artists they're showing in comparison to male artists, and um, across lots of different programming and you know reports on that every year. And um, you know, when in thinking about an exhibition like um, that, that is about Rodin, and we're very much you know celebrating that that legacy of an artist who was as experimental um, and challenging as the artists that we've also brought into conversation with them. Um, but you, you know, there are there are many stories and many bodies and many different bodies and many different artists as well. And so it was important that we you know had a. Um, uh, you know, an, an equal playing field and an equal representation of women as well. So that's a side story. But the second story was um, was meeting Elvis in person um, recently in Melbourne, or last year during the spring um, art fair. And she she'd made this incredible. It's in a hotel. She'd made uh, these um, these incredible shelves of of um, of melted trophies, which um, you know these they were they were something that was. You know, it meant to to be celebratory, to meant to um, as a as, as small monuments to people, to people's actions, to things that have happened, um, but then become found objects, and um, and then they have been sort of repurposed into into completely other forms, which to me also seem very fragmentary, indexical of the body, and um, and you know quite and and unmonumental. So um, Elvis is very kind to um, to make new works. Um, in response to the show, and, but in keeping with um, uh, some other works that she'd been thinking about for a while. And I know Elvis has a story about where this all begins and how it connects um, to us all. So I'll just um, hand over and just say thanks again. Thanks, Lee. Oh, we've got oh, one. Oh, we can both go on. I won't interrupt. Yeah, I did a little count of the show. I think they were, it was completely even with the <laughs> men and women, which was great. Um, Oh, I guess the story I have to tell is about bodies across space and time and um, a lot of the, the material that I use for, in my art practice is stuff that I come across and find and I'm particularly drawn to things that have had meaning in people's lives or significance and are somehow attached to their identity as well, like photographs and um, a number of other things. But I was originally attracted to the trophy because of this outward exterior of um, triumph and victory or what have you, but I was finding these objects in, you know, charity shops and Salvation Army, so, you know, eventually they do become disconnected from that person and 
Um, whether that happens, you know, immediately after the win or, you know, upon death, you know, you, something's obviously happened for this object to not be with that person anymore. People talk about trophies these days, that everyone gets one for participation or what have you. Um, and, you know, I find that of interest because the ones that I have collected in, that I've worked with for this work were the metal style of trophies, which did tend to go out of date. Probably around the 70s or 80s became rarer. I mean, they were always the more special ones, um, and they were like on little, you know, plinths and things like that. But this idea um, of working with things that have been disconnected comes from a deeply personal um, <clears throat> situation of being adopted as a child. So when we talk about bodies across space and time, I existed in a body for most of my life that I had no connection to its past or its present until I was able to reconnect with my original birth family and find out about you know, who they were and where they came from and all these kinds of things. So that was the kind of emotional connection that I was finding, that I was being drawn to, to these kind of objects, was about the dis disconnection and the fragmentation and the separation. So one of the things that I did with the trophies when I saw them, in a way, it seems like a bit of a spiteful or resentful act. I destroyed them. I took someone else's achievements and kind of put them into a furnace and burnt them. <laughs> and, um, and in that process, it came to me to kind of, oh, I wanted to then re-imbue them with preciousness and um, on an exterior level, but obviously they'd now become so flawed and fractured and, and um, yeah, yeah, all fractured. So these pieces have all been from trophies that have kind of exploded in the furnace and I've put them back together and I've like resurfaced them with silver and other kind of metals through an electroplating process and, and then um, in this instance, um, you know, mounted them onto some, you know, stands to kind of create shapes and, and to talk about that kind of, you know, the the distance between the interior kind of feelings and the exterior presentation. So take away that kind of, um, you know, solid body of the trophy of the victory as if it all just came, you know, like a red carpet laid out that you just walked along and everyone gave you everything along the way and you kind of take the glory. I wanted the, the pain and the suffering and, and the loss and the um, obsession and the... Um, <clears throat> those kind of feelings to be more at the surface, is, um, and which any kind of sports person would tell you, I mean, that that's their, their life is probably not so much about the glory, and it's almost like if that's the goal, um, well, it seems such a small part of it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the, the, and, and, and those are the sort of forgotten things, so it becomes sort of in, indexical, um, uh, in a way of, uh, of, of misadventure as much as of yeah, triumph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the titles reflect that too, like Exhausted Sorrow and Weary Inner Peace and um, Standing Affection. Um, yeah, I wanted to really bring that emotion into it, which is what I feel about the objects myself. And, um, you know, that's something precious um, 
yeah, to someone then, in the past, a long time ago, who I don't know. Although I always found trophies interesting because they often have inscriptions and names and dates and places, so they are very specific to a time and place. And autobiographical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then they, you know, what I um, find really compelling about those works is also the, you know, the, the relationship to immortality and often the, the legacy or what's mm. left behind, but also, um, I guess, that, um, that counterpoint or paradox to material entropy of, um, of things that disappear or um, um, which is, the, you know, perhaps the, the disappearing triumphs or moments of triumph. Um, but then how you've, you know, there's a sort of second layer of that when you've reconstructed mm -hmm. those and reconstructed a, reconstructed an, um, an alternative narrative through them yeah. and made them, um, you know, I guess they're, um, they're, they're, they're gilded again and they're um, almost, uh, you know, they, they look fragile but they're quite indestructible materially. Yeah. Actually, I had a nice experience making the work because originally I wanted to solder things together and join them into one big lump, and I worked with a jewellery maker who kind of introduced the idea of, like, clasping them on and kind of just... They're all just being grabbed by the stand, so they're just hovering there, and that was a really nice way for it to go for me as well because I felt it actually worked, you know, more successfully for the work as well, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, uh, but they do have, you know, quite a jewel-like quality to yeah. them as well, and yeah. a sense of um, the relationship to the body is something that you hold in your hand. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, a lot of the sorry, this is um, a lot of the uh, you know a lot of the works in the show are on a particular scale or have been elevated to different platforms so that we can see them from from different um, places. But um, this gallery, which is in a way, the first and the last gallery, the, the mortal body, um, uh, you know, also um, looks at the, the fragility of, of things as well. Yeah, I yeah. really liked that you'd place them into a gallery called the mortal body because I do have an ongoing kind of fascination with death and our relationship to that and that how the trophies kind of interact with that symbolically mm. as representations of, um, yeah, the past, I suppose, and the fact that they became abandoned or disconnected from their owners mm. often talks about death. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, in a way there's a, you know, sort of tra <coughs> tragic beauty in that, which, mm. um, you know, always reminds me of one of um, Rodin's, um, one of my favourite quotes of Rodin, which is that there's nothing more beautiful than the ruin of a beautiful thing. So, right, yes, you know, yeah. sort of ruins and fallen monuments yeah, in a way, yeah. which um, I guess we Definitely, will, mm. yeah. yeah. Um, I think we have about five minutes and time for um, a couple of questions, if that's okay, to course, throw yeah. questions. Yes, Dana? Thank you. Um, um, Actually, we could come a lot closer, oh. couldn't we? <laughs> Sorry. Alternative narrative you mentioned, uh, Lee. Um, I have to say that I wish my father's golf trophies had been uh, found a second use as beautiful as these uh, yeah, right. works. Office. But uh, alternative narrative, did you keep the nameplates and other details, mm. or did you fire them and um, yeah. know, melt them down? 
Yeah, no. Them. Well, with the silver trophies, sometimes they would be inscribed on the trophy themselves, but often on the base. And yeah, I have made other works specifically with the name plates and those identifiers. Yeah. Uh, Elvis, I, I, I really enjoy your work and I, I really like thinking about the parallel with Paul Pfeiffer's work with the, the levitating trophy um, that's also in the show and thinking about an exhibition that's called Versus Rodin that involves these sort of uh, awards for competition at the end mm. and thinking about your sort of uh, your wider practice and your involvement in the Countess Report and things like that. Mm. Um, I'm just intrigued if there's a, a sort of an understanding or an engagement with the art world from your end that is about competition, that is about um, rivalry and contested spaces and things like that, and whether that comes through in this work? In yeah, no, I'm very interested in the art world and how, you know, aspects of it can certainly operate in that way. I mean, we're colleagues with other artists, but, you know, we're also in competition for prizes or what have you or you know some artists are celebrated in certain ways and others aren't and that with women the legacy of that you can see that through history with women artists of course so yeah no I am really fascinated with that I think it's about recognition as well so recognition in terms of like I'm recognized for my achievements but just recognized as a person too or I can see me in you so you know if you know, our representations aren't diverse. Well, I can't see me and you. Do you know what I mean? Like, we can find our commonality, of course, and we do, and we've operated, and that's how we get through. Um, women have for centuries, you know. Yeah, so, but yeah, if that makes any sense. <laughs> oh, there's another question, sorry. Well, for some reason, kind of um, laconic or even ironic humour in the work as well. Is that relevant to you? Oh, definitely. I think if you, you know, think critically about things, I mean, you do see that humour in it too, or how things get presented, but how easily they could be pulled apart. Do you know what I mean? Like particularly, you know, achievement or victory or something to someone is something. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I think I get what you're saying, and I do. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great, thank you. Well, I think um, Lisa's going to introduce the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Two mics. Two mics. Would you like <laughs> Just one turntable. Thank you so much, Elvis. Please join me in thanking and congratulating Elvis Richardson. <laughs> and thank you, Lee. Beautiful job.